Welcome to the Connecting Mind and Spirit podcast, a podcast devoted to helping you understand and apply the teachings of A Course in Miracles. I am your host, Fiona Williams, author of the newly released book, Awakening Your Right Mind, Healing from Fear and Following Spirit with A Course in Miracles. The benefits of A Course in Miracles are experienced through application of its right-minded principles. Throughout this podcast series, I will explain specific topics and teachings from A Course in Miracles and guide you through meditative exercises, which will help you apply the teachings to your life. Thank you for being here and let's get started. So welcome everyone to the second book club meeting for Awakening Your Right Mind. Um, but in this meeting, we're going to be focusing on the introduction to Awakening Your Right Mind. There's a bit of material covered, but it shouldn't be too lengthy. So I think we'll aim for about an hour. Uh, might go over a little bit if um, there's a bit of discussion. And of course, anything anyone wants to share or chat about, you're very, very welcome to do so. So how did you guys enjoy the introduction? Did you review it? or Right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, de- like in the in the introduction, I definitely wanted to get across um, the mind's role in enlightenment. Um, also like how we misuse it. And of course we chatted a bit about this in the first book club meeting, but what the mind's real role is. And of course, A Course in Miracles is pretty unique in identifying the mind as being um, a major player (laughs) in our lives, but also in our healing and our enlightenment. So it's something I really wanted to bring a focus to. And that first quote that I share in the introduction Um, by Kenneth Wapnick in his book, Journey Through the Manual of A Course in Miracles. And he says, think of a fountain. The mind is the engine that drives the fountain and spirit is the water that flows through it. So what he's saying there is that mind and spirit essentially work together and as one. So we're taught in A Course in Miracles that mind is the mechanism for decision. The mind is important. It's at work. And when our minds are fully healed of the ego, you know, that's where spirit flows through it. So they, they're working together as one. Um, so how do you guys feel about that quote or did it speak to you at all? <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's such a different definition of what we're used to with the mind, right? Of what we're normally used to. So in the introduction, you know, I share, I view the mind as like the core of the earth, an inner center of enormous energy whose purpose is to fuel the planet's functioning. The mind powers our creativity. And as ACIM philosopher Kenneth Wapnick suggests, serves as the activating agent of our spirit, our true identity. So in our current experience of the mind, where we seem divorced from spirit altogether, I mean, we're given a totally new definition of what the mind actually is. Um, So in, if anyone's familiar with the clarification of terms at the back of uh, A Course in Miracles in the Manual for Teachers section, Jesus writes, the term mind is used to represent the activating agent of spirit, supplying its creative energy. 
So again, just getting clarity on what our minds really are and what its role really is. <laughs> so last time we talked a bit about how our experience of the mind is presently flooded with fear, right? And how can we even think to have a healthy relationship with our minds to the point that people just say, forget about the mind, dismiss it, shoo it away, right? It's just a nuisance. And I just need to shut my mind off. Um, I think we can comfortably say as A Course in Miracles students that they're talking about the ego mind. <laughs> and of course, you would want to shut off that part of the mind. When we use that part of the mind, our brains get very anxious and over hyperactive. And um, there's a lot of analysis. So when I go through the chapter on the ego, which we'll be talking about more later in the month, when we talk about more about that, we get into how the ego shows up and really how that pollutes our experience. Um, but essentially what we do is we blame the mind. We blame the mind for everything. And to that point, we just dismiss it and try to let it go. <laughs> that seemed to be true. <laughs> Yeah. Or we believe the mind. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the dangerous part, right? If you believe what it's saying, right? And that's something I shared in the last meeting. But yeah, like, you have those ego thoughts, they're going to creep in. Just the thing is, are you going to believe them? But we have to recognize that while the ego is in place in our minds, it's going to, we're going to get those ego thoughts, they're going to pop up. But the more you identify with what you truly are as spirit, then the less you're going to believe those ego thoughts, the more you're going to be able to go, I, I don't need to give that any more attention. That's not me. That's not the real me. So it's very, very um, relieving, right? When we start to identify with our true identity as spirit, and then those ego thoughts become less sticky. <laughs> okay. So I also wanted to um, share on page eight, the second paragraph, I've written, you have been distracted from the truth of your spiritual identity by the aimless wanderings of a tiny part of your mind. So it's important for us to recognize that the ego is actually a minuscule part of our minds. It's just a tiny little bit. And I know it just seems all-encompassing and so pervasive in our physical experience particularly but if we can just start to grasp like Jesus even talks about this in the course that it's just this tiny little part of our minds that is having this ego experience and look how much look how powerful our belief is look how we're feeding into it and how strong it feels, like our ego emotions, how strong those feel, you know, to the point that people will, you know, decide to leave this world, you know, um, they can get caught up in depression, anxiety, they feel like their thoughts are everything. But when you start to recognize that it's your belief that is feeding that little tiny part of your mind that believes it's separate from its source, you know, that's a very empowering position to start to come from, right? So even Jesus describes it in the course that the ego is this little tiny ripple in the ocean. You know, it's it, it thinks it's all alone, but it's one with the ocean. It's part of the ocean. And, you know, it, it's just that little tiny part of your mind that just thinks it's totally on its own, but it's part of something so much bigger. You are part of something so much bigger. 
you are important, right? We're taught also by Jesus in the course that you are important. Your healing of your mind is so important. You know, the, the Christ mind, the collective sonship needs you to heal, right? And not only that, you deserve it. So if anything, if we can just start to expand our scope of what we truly are, right? And just start to grasp that maybe, just maybe there's something bigger that I'm part of, that maybe there's just something bigger than my little tiny perception of what I'm experiencing in this world, right? So I think that's something very important to consider. I mean, how does it make you guys feel to kind of think that it's just a little tiny part of your mind that you're having here? <laughs> yeah, some giggles, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty shocking. So, and to me, I actually find it exciting. Like, you know, imagine when our minds are fully healed, like what we're going to be aware of. And even as we start to get closer to enlightenment, the things we're going to be capable of and the things we're going to be aware of. And, you know, that's, I think, where the pettiness of the ego will start to subside as you start to recognize there's so much more that you are that other people are that you stop playing the ego's game, you stop playing into the ego's agenda. So I just think that that's pretty cool that you never know what we're going to end up being able to do as we get closer to enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> so when we look at our present experience of the mind, it's that that brings us to something like A Course in Miracles, right? We I talked about this last time, where ultimately you get to that point where you have that little willingness that there has got to be a better way. There's got to be something different. And I love that. It's like a little spark that's lit up inside of you that's going, wait a minute. And that's the truth. It's starting to go, wait a minute. You don't need to settle for this. And you don't need to settle for the ego. You made it. It's a mistake. But you can easily stop believing it. And you can start to embrace something else. So definitely in the introduction to the book, I was hoping to really, you know, empower everyone and start to, you know, for us to recognize that we are so much more than this little tiny ego experience that seems to be everything. And when you are really caught up in it, you know, you're having a bad day, you're crying on the couch, whatever it might be, just starting to let those feelings subside that pain to just pass, that suffering to pass without your further judgment of it. And, and just, you don't need to feed into it more. You're allowed to have the experience, but you do have the choice. You don't have to feed into it anymore because you're remembering that your belief is going to make it worse, right? So that's something I think that's really powerful to remember. And even when I was going through the worst of the PTSD, I simply just had to go, Fiona, you just have to go through this, but it's how you go through it right? You don't need to make it worse by projecting onto other people, by blaming other people, you know, by judging, you know, why you feel so upset, why you feel so bad, just let it pass. If you can start to go beneath the experience of what you're experiencing and recognize this is just a wave of ego content that's come to the surface. And am I going to feed the ego or am I going to let it gently subside? without my judgment. Yeah. So that's a choice we all have. And the more that we start to release our belief and our judgment of the ego and our ego experiences, 
the more it's going to pass, the sooner it's going to pass. And so, you know, you could easily have a better day, even if you had a bit of a rough spot. That is totally possible. So I always love the quote, this too shall pass. This too shall pass, but when are you going to let it? <laughs> That's up to us, right? Yeah. Hi, Gabby. Welcome. <laughs> Hi. Sorry, I am a little bit late. I don't mean to interrupt. You're all good. Happy to see your face. <laughs> yeah, so... You know, just looking at your present experience of the mind and starting to recognize this is not forever. This is but a stepping stone on your journey to enlightenment. And it's something that can be reframed as something that, you know, this is not something that has to take me down. This is something that I can use to get closer to the memory of what I truly am, right? So what if our ego experiences were something to teach us about our spiritual selves. What if that's what these things are for? Right? What a, what a change, what a reframe. And I will be talking more about that when we go through the right mind chapter about reframing our experience, but just something for us to think about now in those weeks before we get to that chapter of, you know, what if this is just to remind me that I'm not the ego at all? That, right, there's even the Course in Miracles lesson, whatever suffers is not part of me. And the amount of times that I just repeated that to myself when I was going through really tough times, whatever suffers is not part of me. It might feel like me, but again, that's just the power of my belief in the ego. And that's very unconscious, right? And so you might not even feel like you have control over the experiences that come up, right? Because they're so deep. They come from somewhere so deep. But you always have a choice in how you think about them, how you, if you're going to feed into them, right? So whatever suffers is not part of me. And when you start to think of it that way, I know I would actually just think of it as like an outer shell of suffering. And I would almost like envision myself unzipping that suffering part of me and taking it off like a big snowsuit <laughs> and just letting it go. And there's this Fiona beneath that's perfectly innocent, that's perfectly aware of her source. There's that Fiona in there, right? She's there just like all of you. That true you is there. It's beneath all the suffering. And so I kind of just liked that little mental exercise that I give myself where I just shed that layer. Whatever suffers is not part of me. And so I found it easier to say that than to get into all the details of why I was feeling like crap, <laughs> right? Because we know those details. We have a PhD in our stuff. We, we know all that. <laughs> if we want to have a different experience, we have to start to think differently, right? So again, A Course in Miracles is totally reversing our thought system. And we have to be gentle with that. We have to allow for that reversal to occur it's not necessarily going to be like that not all of us will have that dark night of the soul experience like Eckhart Tolle did and then just wake up and everything is you know right as rain it's not always like that for each of us so if we can allow ourselves the patience to simply just start to reframe this world and our ego experiences start to recognize that all we've done is misused our mind okay there's no sin that's not something horrible. All you did was make a mistake. I made it too. <laughs> but, you know, if we can start to reframe fear 
as something that maybe I just misdirected my mind when I'm feeling fearful? What if that's actually just what happened? I misdirected the power of my mind towards fear, right? And I can bring it back. That's my choice as the decision maker. And then I can start to choose for the Holy Spirit and for something better. I can start to choose for my right mind. So just uh, honoring our present experiences, honoring the things that brought us to the course, honoring the things that we've been shown that we need to heal. And I think that's really important to remember when you ask to heal, you're going to be shown the stuff that you've got to heal. Right. And I remember in a, another class that I taught, I shared this. So it might seem familiar to some people, but I remember one night, a couple of years ago, um, you know, my brothers had some trying times in our family. And I remember before I went to sleep, I did, um, the Gary Renard art and person teaching. And I thought of my brother and I looked at him and I said, Paul, you are spirit, whole and innocent. All is forgiven and released. I wanted to see the truth in my brother. And that night when I went to sleep, I had a horrible dream about him. And I was so angry with him, like an anger I didn't even actually recognize I had about him. And I just felt the potency of that anger towards him. And I, when I woke up, I was like, what the hell? I, I thought I was seeing him as spirit, whole and innocent. <laughs> All is forgiven and released. But what I recognized very quickly is that the Holy Spirit was like, here, please, can you please forgive this unconscious idea you have about him? Because that's getting in your way of how you truly want to see him. So whatever it is that we are seeking to heal, we have to recognize that we're going to be shown that ego content that needs to be forgiven and ultimately healed so we can experience the healing, so we can let it go. So I always think that's important for us to remember. And that's a big part of your experience, especially with A Course in Miracles, is to look at the stuff, those blocks to love, as they're called those blocks to love that you have. When you ask to heal, you're going to be shown them. So I remember I had a client recently, you know, who's who's going through a bit of a rough time. And she was like, you know, it just seems like every day there's just more and more and more. And I said, but, you know, when you ask, and I know her because she, well, she told me and, you know, she said, well, when I wake up, I ask the Holy Spirit to be in charge. And when I go to sleep, I ask for my mind to be healed and all of that stuff. And I said, well, if you're putting the Holy Spirit in charge, then how about you start to recognize that the things that are coming up throughout the day are things that the Holy Spirit are like, here, you asked for my help here. I need you to look at this. I need you to forgive this. Right. So when we give that invitation, I like to say that the Holy Spirit's giving us a vote of confidence that we're ready to look at this particular issue this block to love, and we're ready to let it go. And the Holy Spirit's like, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you to help you let it go. You're not alone in this. That's the greatest illusion in our world is that we're alone. We're not alone. Separation is an illusion. So anyways, just recognizing that when we ask for that healing, when we ask for that support, you know, things aren't going to get all rosy and sunshiny <laughs> we're, we're going to have those moments where we're going to look at the stuff but those are the blocks of love we asked to look at so on page nine of the book um i share about the choice so i share there is a reason why your true identity has eluded you so far 
we tend not to recognize that fear-based thinking doesn't just come upon us, but is actually our choice. You can make a decision to release yourself from the fear by not taking the thought process seriously. The decision to believe in fear or not is the choice you have available to you every moment throughout each day. And that's on page nine, just at the part of the subsection, the choice. And so at every moment of every day, you have that choice available to you of how are you going to see it? Who are you going to think with, right? That is a choice that is woven into this illusion experience. And we can't escape it. Every moment we are choosing. Now, what is important for us to recognize is that we're taught in the course that our choice for the ego or spirit is actually going to come first from what we think we are. Deep down, who we think we are is going to probably dictate which choice we're going to make for ego or spirit. So it is important. I chatted about this last week. It is important for us to start to, again, remind ourselves more frequently who we truly are, because that is going to dictate what choices you make in this world, right? About yourself, about what you're going to do with your day, things like that, what habits you're going to give into or not, whatever that might be, that's going to be based on who you think you are. Okay, so that choice that's woven into our experience of who am I going to see this with, the wrong mind of the ego or the right mind of spirit. And so in the clarification of terms of the course, it says on paragraph six in section one, mind and spirit, wrong-mindedness listens to the ego and makes illusions. Perceiving sin and justifying anger and seeing guilt, disease, and death as real. Both this world and the real world are illusions because right-mindedness merely overlooks or forgives what never happened. So that's the difference between the wrong-mindedness. So it's really important for us to recognize what we're feeding when we choose the wrong mind of the ego. And again, it's not something to feel guilty about if you choose the ego. The ego is a habit. And the Holy Spirit's not about reinforcing guilt, <laughs> but just recognizing that you're really reinforcing an illusion about yourself and others the more you start to entertain the ego and give into it. So just as we progress along our spiritual path, we kind of just want to create that gentle awareness, that observation of who are we thinking with? What am I feeding into? Am I feeding into an illusion about myself or others? Right? So just something to be aware of. So the wrong mindedness listens to the ego. And it's also shared in the same section of the clarification of terms, the mind can be right or wrong, depending on the voice to which it listens. Right-mindedness listens to the Holy Spirit, forgives the world, and through Christ's vision, sees the real world in its place. This is the final vision, the last perception, the condition in which God takes the final step himself. Here, time and illusions end together. So what we're recognizing is the wrong mind of the ego delves more into this world, and the right mind of the Holy Spirit brings us back up to God. And at every moment, you are choosing which one you want to do.
Fiona, yeah. if I can um, ask a question about, about that. Uh, I would like to know your point of view between uh, what you say that depending on uh, who do we think we are mm -hmm. and what you are saying that the spirit will lead us back to our spirit mm -hmm. dropping the identity of the dream, the character of the dream. Mm -hmm. um, but how does that practically, how can I say? I know that the end goal Mm -hmm. is to drop it and yeah. that'll yeah. the famous know yourself from the Egyptians time yeah. is to drop the identity yeah. and go back to who you truly are pure spirit yeah. right but a lot of uh psychological uh psychologies therapies a lot of that involves the know yourself in the sense of know your character know who you are in yes. this life right now yes get to know you yeah and i'm like wait no no what we want is to not know that like like <laughs> to drop it right yeah. but in the process of i have found very helpful to actually get to know myself like yes this might sound contradictory but when i start the course I really didn't know myself that much. Mm -hmm. I really didn't know what do I want, uh, what do I like, what who am I? Yes. And in the process, I have found myself like I have get I have get to know the character in the dream more deeply. Yes. Knowing that is not my identity, but it has given me power or comfort. Yeah knowing what that character is yes i hope i made myself clear perfectly and i, I would love, love to know what you think <laughs> about that i love that you mentioned it because this is actually going to be a chapter in my next book oh so, yeah as i love thank you so much for bringing this up because i agree with you so what we want to recognize is that each of us you know we have our own identity and we have our own perceptions and when before we came into this particular body, this particular incarnation, you know, we agreed that we were going to have certain things, gifts, talents, whatever it might be, preferences. I like to call them preferences. And so you want to use those preferences. Those preferences, I think we could easily call our character, right? Like they all together, they build up who we are and how we experience the world. Now, remember that it's always about who you're doing things with. It's not really about, you know, the behavior. So as an example, if you're an introvert and you found that out about yourself and you're like, oh my goodness, like I am like, why didn't I know I was an introvert sooner? Like that just makes me understand myself so much more that this is how I function in this world. And maybe why I get so drained after parties or social functions. And you're just, you feel so illuminated because you understood you were an introvert, right? Or whatever it may be. I remember when I discovered that I had synesthesia. So I have certain um, things where, you know, you can see a certain color and it might activate a taste in your mouth where things are kind of blending. It's a blend of the senses and it can show up so many ways. Um, but when I recognized I had certain types of synesthesia, I was floored and I, I felt like I understood myself so much more. And I thought it was really cool. And 
you know, and, and it's just something fun. Does it, is it my true Fiona? No, because there is no Fiona, <laughs> you know, we're all one in our source. But while I appear to be here, I, if I need to, I can use synesthesia with the Holy Spirit or, you know, my introversion with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants you to feel comfortable in your experience. It, you know, like, and you're only going to really learn and be able to expand your awareness if you honor what, how you presently function. So, you know, this is no different than us preferring a color over another color or Italian food over Chinese food or whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just, you know, if you don't like a certain type of food, you're not going to get anywhere, <laughs> you know, eating it and forcing it down, you know? So absolutely honor Honor that, honor the, that character, you know, because that's even some of the things that make up our character can be genuinely spiritual gifts, you know, an artist um, can let the Holy Spirit move through them and they can create a really beautiful piece of art, like some of the music in our world. Yeah, I totally, <laughs> some of the music in our world comes, you know, from the Holy Spirit, things like that. So it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter what that's about if, if it's important for you and it's a part of your character that's fine just use it with the holy spirit because you're allowed to have your preferences what you want to recognize is that ultimately when you reach enlightenment those preferences are really nothing they mean nothing it, it's not the true you but while you appear to be here have a good time enjoy them <laughs> so you wouldn't think that uh for people that are trying to get better course students or not course students, the time put into knowing yourself as, as knowing what character are you playing this time. Yeah. It is, but it is important. It is a, uh, it is something good to make, to, yeah. to put the time into it. Yeah. 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 Cause God's will for you is perfect happiness. Right. So so honoring your character and and who you are and just how you function, you know, that's going to make you happy, you know, while you appear to be here. And, you know, it, it is taught that um, forgiveness, when we first start to create our habit of applying true forgiveness, that that's easier to do when you're happy. Yeah. So, you know, just recognizing that if you're feeling good to some regard, you're going to be more open to true forgiveness. And then that habit will start to develop. And then ultimately true forgiveness will be your automatic reaction to everything simply because it feels good. <laughs> and you, you know, so you're allowed to be happy. It's about not making the world a big deal. Right. Because we're ultimately taught in the course, there is no world. So we're using it as a tool with the Holy Spirit to go home. That is, that's a good way to put it. And if you know your tools, it's going to be much easier to use them. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to give up something you enjoy. You know, that's and if you agree, like you say, you agree to come with those preferences. So yes. if you agree to have those, mm -hmm. it's for something. So get to know them, use them, and eventually you will drop them. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, you will have put it to the Holy Spirit's use. 
Exactly. Exactly. Because you have no idea if your gift makes someone happy and it's a way the Holy Spirit shares. And, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, just use it with the Holy Spirit. You're all good. I've clarified a lot. <laughs> oh, Thank good. You, there's nothing worse for than feeling guilty for who you are, or right? Or for what your preferences are or how you function. You know, you don't need to feel guilty about that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that was helpful. And such an awesome, I'm so glad you brought it up. Such an awesome topic. <laughs> Just relieving, right? Like, you know, it, it, even like Gary Renard wanting to live in Hawaii. Go for it. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. Linda wants to live there too. I think a lot of us do. <laughs> <laughs> so on um, page 10 of the introduction, um, I kind of start that section with um, lesson 236 of the course, which is such a powerful lesson. And it says, I rule my, my mind, which I alone must rule. Now, of course, what that really means is I can choose for the Holy Spirit, but I'm the decision maker. I rule my mind. And last time, last um, book club meeting, we were talking about um, the ego's favorite position for someone to be in, the position of victim. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, of course, some things that happen to us, um, you know, are, are definitely um, yeah, something that you would say, yeah, that person was a victim of that. But ultimately, as time progresses and that person starts to heal or expand their awareness, um, they, they, like all of us, we are the decision makers who have control over how we will continue to think of something, how we will... Will we continue to feed the ego in it or will we start to choose for the Holy Spirit in it? So, you know, when we recognize that we rule our minds, we always have a choice in how we think, right? So that's a very powerful thing for us to recognize. And personally, I like it because, um, you know, as things carry on and you start to have revelations about your past or relationships or whatever, you can start a taking a more empowering stance in your life, recognizing that you rule your mind. You know, maybe things before that you um, would have tolerated, maybe you won't so much anymore because you rule your mind and you might see something as maybe not a healthy environment for you. And that's okay, right? You might start to take steps towards creating a more healthy environment for yourself, whatever it might be. Um, but what I think it's important to recognize is that is um, a progression where we start to accept that we rule our minds um, because it might not always feel that way. And I totally respect that. There's repressed memories that might come up, old traumas, things of that nature but as we start to invite the holy spirit in the holy spirit can help us to start dissolve some um ego patterns right and then we can start to recognize okay i feel more comfortable recognizing that i rule my mind i feel more empowered so just you know you don't it's not something you have to believe right away but it is something helpful to be open to just depending on what you go through Okay, so, um, and then, of course, uh, after that, I talk about being the gatekeeper, right? So you're the gatekeeper to your mind. What are you going to let in? <laughs> and what are you just going to go? No, no room for that <laughs> in my mind, right? You are the gatekeeper. And I think no matter what we go through, I think we can all 
gently accept that role of the gatekeeper that, you know what, no matter what I've been through and no matter what might come up, I am still the gatekeeper to my mind. And, and I can say what I'm going to feed and what I'm going to let in and what I'm going to let go of in peace. And again, I think that's a very um, peaceful stance. Okay, so after that, um, I share about the five major points of caring for your mind. And the first one is understanding the cause, that your mind is the cause. Okay, everything else is effect. The physical world is an effect. Emotions are an effect. The universe is an effect. Your mind is the cause. Okay. Um, and again, not something you might fully, totally recognize all the time, because remember what I shared last time is that the unconscious mind is so large and so vast. And that's where this content is really coming from, right? We're just working with a bit of the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg there, that tiny little part that we're aware of. Okay. But if we can just start to appreciate that there's some, um, the unconscious mind, there's a lot of content there that we're not aware of, but still we're understanding that mind is the cause. And what I love about that is that we're taught in the course, Jesus says that error is always made in the mind. Always. Right? Whatever you see, whatever behaviors or actions you see out in the world are effects. They always began with an idea of thought that can come around as I had an idea. And that happened at the level of the mind. And so as errors are made in the mind, that's also where they're corrected. So that's where Jesus talks about presently, you know, we have cause and effect reversed mistakenly. We put effect here and we react to the effects and we put cause down here and saying, well, this effect made me think this way. You made me cry. You made me do this or that situation made me do that. Now, I'm not going to say you're not going to have your reactions to things. Of course you are, but those reactions are coming from the mind. <laughs> <laughs> way deep down. So what we want to do is we want to put cause and effect back in their rightful place, right? So when we start to appreciate that we actually reversed cause and effect and we let the effect um, come at us and that's what we were reacting to and all of that, that, that is that victim role, even to some degree, even if you think that you may not think that you're a victim, um, to some degree, you might actually feel that way because you feel vulnerable to the world, right? And the things that can happen. And of course, when we identify with being a body, all the more we can feel that way. So again, we're trying to get used to the idea that we're more than this body. This body is a vehicle. My mind is the cause. That's what I truly am. I'm mind and spirit. And that is invulnerable, but while we appear to be in a body, we want to start to respect that mind comes first and everything else is an effect. And again, a very empowering position to come from. Okay, so this throughout this book, that is one of my promises that I will be reinforcing the gatekeeper role and understanding the cause that your mind is both the creator and the perceiver of your physical experience. It is through your mind which you either create which is an expression of love, or you miscreate, which is an aspect of fear. And so you either create or miscreate your world, beginning with your mind. Okay. Um, and I also talk about as the perceiver, your mind takes in all that you see in the world through the filter 
of the dominant thoughts you have cemented in your mind is true. So I'll be talking more about perception when I go through the laws of the mind, but we want to appreciate that at some point that we have this perception and it has been cemented and stabilized by the thoughts that we have repeated. Even in previous experiences, we brought them here into this present experience and then the experiences that we have in this present life. Those, that's where your perception comes from, right? So it, it seem, can seem quite stuck, but what we're also taught in the introduction or preface to the course, pardon me, is that only perception can be sick, right? So our perceptions, well, I would call it misperception, that's the ego. The misperceptions, that's what is sick. And that's what needs to be healed. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking the misperception of the ego and replacing it with the true perception of the Holy Spirit. So I'll also be talking more about that when we go through the right mind chapter in a couple of weeks. So, <laughs> but I know that can be a lot of information, but just recognizing that you are working with your present perception and it is that that ultimately the Holy Spirit's going to be looking to correct and um, put true, its true perception in the place of our misperceptions. We've misperceived things when we think with the ego. So that is a lot of what we're dealing with, with at the level of cause is those perceptions um, and then also making sure we put cause and effect in the right place. Okay, so I know that was a lot of information. Um, the second point I really wanted to come across throughout this book is that your mind is immensely powerful. And the only reason you may not believe that is that presently, deep down, you do not trust yourself. So I'm going to be getting more into the distrust that we have about ourselves and when we talk about the ego mind. But it is true that because we think we were successful in initiating a supposed separation from our source, deep down on some level, we don't trust ourselves. And so it's easier for us to dumb down the power of our minds to go, no, my thoughts aren't powerful. My mind isn't powerful. No, no, no. All of that comes from a distrust in yourself because you think you might screw up again right? Because you think it was all real. Yeah. So it's it's pretty powerful when you start to go, you know, on some level, like, wow, I, I don't trust myself. And you, some of us in the spiritual world, you know, we talk about manifestation and things like that. And I don't know if anyone else has like felt a bit anxious about manifestation. They're like, oh, what if I screw up? What if, what if I think of something wrong while I'm trying to manifest? Then what if it shows up, right? So you can kind of feel the discomfort that you might already have. That That is the distrust you have in yourself because you think you left your source. Right? So yeah, pretty powerful. I've, I've got some wide eyes. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, we try to manage um, our unconscious distrust of ourselves by trying to downplay the mind or blatantly ignore it. Um, but of course, that's not going to get us anywhere. Right. And also remember what I shared last time is that the ego doesn't want you to know that you're a powerful mind. OK, because if you're a powerful mind, you can choose against it. And that's death to the ego. So there's a bit at work there. So but the fact is, your mind is immensely powerful. Okay. Um, the third one point that I'll be mentioning and reinforcing throughout is that you do not guard your thoughts carefully enough. Okay. So as the course says, you are much too tolerant of mind wandering 
and you are passively condoning your mind's miscreations. And I further share that mismanaging your fear-based thoughts leads you to strengthening them instead of recovering and ultimately healing from them. So that's something that I think is very powerful to recognize that it is the mismanagement of our fear thoughts that is preventing us from recovering and ultimately healing from them. And, un and unintentionally, we are strengthening and reinforcing them in our own minds. So, you know, all the more reason for us to be more aware of the thoughts that we are letting sneak past and that we're reinforcing. Again, not something to feel guilty about. That's not what this is about, but it's about a gentle awareness of your mindset, what you're choosing to reinforce. Okay. Um, and then the fourth thing that I'll be reinforcing is that there is a healthy way out of fear and guilt, as well as the pain caused by these thought patterns. Okay, we're taught in A Course in Miracles that right-mindedness is healing. That is your healthy way out of those ego-based, fear-based thought patterns that you have. It will be right-mindedness. And so, you know, we'll go through all the right-minded principles when we go through the chapter on the right mind. But I am personally relieved to know that there is a healthy way out of the fear of the ego. So when things like panic attacks or, you know, anxiety attacks or overwhelm, stress, depression, anxiety, all of those things, um, you know, that there's a healthy way out of there. There's a healthy way. Okay. And you're not stuck and you don't have to go to something that's going to numb your mind. And then the fifth and final one that I want to reinforce is that spirit is a natural part of you. It is taught in A Course in Miracles that the Holy Spirit is in you in a very literal way. That's the Course's words. <laughs> in a very literal way, the Holy Spirit is in you. I mean, how does that feel? Like, what a change in how we were taught to think in this world right? So spirit is a very natural part of you. And I continue by saying we are all living cases of mistaken identity, as long as we think we are separate, vulnerable, conflicted, and powerless beings. That's a case of mistaken identity, for sure, when we identify with those things. This is not the truth. Through correct use of your mind, your true spiritual identity will come to the forefront of your awareness, connecting you to your inner peace, your joy, and your ultimate happiness. It is through the part of your mind which is connected to spirit that you will come to be enlightened. You are so much more of love than what you seem. So I hope that's relieving on some level <laughs> is that you are truly spirit and it's a natural part of you. And it is very natural for you to accept that. And, you know, there's the section on the one mind, which would be the mind of God or the source mind. And of course, you know, I can only speak to what the course says about that. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're taught that it's arrogance to think that you are anything less than one with your source. 
that it is the arrogance of the ego to say that you are something apart from your source. And, you know, being brought up in Catholicism, as an example, I would be told that I would be arrogant to think that I am one with my source, you know, because they would see it as something special, right? And that's not the case. We are all one in our source, right? So it is not arrogant for you to think that. And it's true, it is arrogant, you know, for us, and again, not something to feel guilty about, but it is arrogant for us to think that we were something different than what we were created as, right? Who are we to say that, really? We were, we were created as being one with our source, that pure, creative, loving, innocent potential and power. That's what we truly are. And to think of anything, ourselves as anything else, you know, to think that we could change that, you know, that's the air that can only be of the arrogance of the ego. So something to really think about <laughs> when you wonder if you are spirit, it's like, who am I to say that I'm something different than what my source created me as? Who am I to say that? Why would I want to say that? Right? So I find that very helpful. <laughs> yeah, some head nods. <laughs> and finally, to wrap up the introduction, I talk about the two parts of the mind, which of course I've already spoken about, but I share outside of the realm of the one mind of source, which is commonly, commonly referred to as heaven or nirvana, there's the experience of consciousness and physicality. Within this lower level, the mind seems to be split with the wrong mind of the ego and the right mind of spirit. It is through our use of the ego that we get the faux experience, where the mind seems to be working against us as it replays scripts of conflict and pain. The right mind is the part connected to spirit, and from there we receive spirit's loving guidance, which is commonly known as inspiration. Therefore, using our right mind is the path to enlightenment. That's it. Remember, we're going back up here. <laughs> you are the decision maker and beca can become a gentle observer who takes a step back from the battle of the wrong mind and sees clearly the choice between fear and peace. Right. Because if you're too busy battling the ego, right, and ducking out of the way and trying to manage your triggers, all of that. If you're in the battle of the ego, you can't recognize that you're possibly something more, that peace is a potential because you're too busy battling. And that's exhausting, right? Isn't it exhausting to be in that battleground? So we want to begin to rise above and practice rising above, right? Whether that's leaving a toxic relationship, or taking more moments of deep breathing and meditation and quieting your mind. If it's accepting the atonement in, in certain moments throughout your day, which is a very powerful thing, there's many ways, focusing on deep breathing, whatever it might be, there are many ways that you can start to practice getting above the battleground. So when you do seem to enter into a battle or a challenge in this world, but what you can do instead is start to go back to that observer position. Okay. And that's real that that will come with practice. So when you are having more downtime and more relaxed time, if you can practice just bringing your mind up into the observer position and letting yourself be more quiet, 
then you'll start to get used to that. And it will feel like a more natural thing to do when a challenge does pop up. And then if you're more relaxed and you're more trusting in that position, then you have room for the Holy Spirit to come in when things seem to get a bit tough. And Kim, sorry, I saw your message. Thank you so much, love. <laughs> and if you have any questions, please email me. <laughs> um, so just something to be aware of, right? That um, that decision maker, um, recognizing you're the decision maker is going to come clear to you when your mind's a little more quiet, when you're more in that observer position. Okay. So when we accept this definition of the mind, which is the course's definition of the mind, we can see why there is a part of our minds, the ego mind, with which we want nothing to do with. As you learn more about the ego mind, you will see why you wanted to have shoo it away, cover it up and diminish its role in your life. You can learn to use your right mind consistently so that you gently dissociate from the ego mind. Regardless of the battles that may preoccupy your daily mind, the first step to peace is to recognize that your mind is something which simply requires your care and attention. Right? I mean, what a simple thing to recognize that what if I just started to simply give my mind some gentle care and attention? What if I started to give it some love? Right? If you had a screaming toddler in your life, you know, you're going to you're going to pick it up that child up, you're going to soothe them, you're going to calm it down. You're going to give it some love. Right? And we're taught in the course that all fear is really a call for love. When are you going to answer your own call for love? Right? That's up to you. If you if your mind is erratic and you're noticing those ego symptoms as I call them, you're calling out for love. When are you going to give yourself that love and answer that call? And that's going to be, you know what, I need to give myself some gentle care and attention here. Right. And you can ask the Holy Spirit for some guidance on what might be best for you, you know, to help you soothe and start to begin to quiet your mind. But it deserves your care and attention because it's always working. It never sleeps. And everything that you do and all the thoughts that you repeat begin in your mind at that level of the cause. So you need to take care of it, right? So remember what I shared last time in chapter two of the text of the course where Jesus says, you need to begin to appreciate the power of your mind. That is the way out of fear. Don't, don't ask me to do it for you, he says. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Sudhakar, can you kindly give some more ways to give care and attention to our own selves and our own calls? So you would like me to give some ideas on how to do that? Yes, please. Okay, awesome. <laughs> okay, well, one of my favorite ones to do that is um, I actually like to take moments of um, forgiving myself over um, the tiny mad idea where I forgive, I take moments of forgiving myself for thinking I separated from my source. So I tend to do this after I make my bed for some reason. <laughs> I have a bench um, at the bottom of my bed and I will sit on that bench and I will quietly just sit there and close my eyes and I will say, I forgive myself, my source for thinking that I could or would ever want to leave you. That was my mistake. I forgive myself. 
And I'm going to take a moment now to accept the truth that I never left you. I'm one with you right now and for all eternity. And then I like to envision like the whole globe. And I envision all of us <laughs> as like little white lights. And I bring that to one piercing, beautiful light. And I just go, and we are all one in our source. And there's no one that I leave out. Every We're all one. And I bring that vision to my mind and just go, we are all one in you source. And then I actually just feel waves of love. And I feel the effects of thinking that way. And I enjoy it for a bit. <laughs> um, so that's one of the main things. If I can do it a couple of times a day, I will. Another way, actually, I like kind of doing it at the end of my shower, you know, because the water is lovely. And I just go, thank you, source, for creating me as being one in you. And I am true because you created me. So I like to kind of initiate that dialogue <laughs> and remembering that I'm one with my source. I, that's one of the healthiest things I think I do throughout my day. Um, and so also applying true forgiveness. Um, if there's a hiccup, that doesn't always happen right away. You know, some things take a little more time. But if a hiccup does happen, I'm actually pretty sure to um, sit down and take a few moments to just let the waves of energy come up. So if some tears need to come up, if some anger is coming up, I actually like to just sit quietly and let those come up and let some tears fall, whatever it might be. And then when that stops, then I, I apply true forgiveness and the atonement. And um, it always helps me to feel better. So that's how I handle challenges. Um, and then, you know, it just throughout the day, I just, there's a lot of, um, enjoyment. I like to enjoy the company of my puppies, <laughs> uh, when my husband gets home from work. Um, one of the things I like to do when I go to bed at night is, um, cause we have our two dogs crates in the bedroom. So it's the four of us in one bedroom. And I like to go, you know, this bedroom is filled with love, <laughs> And I'm so grateful for all this love I'm surrounded by, like, and I, I'm sure to acknowledge that. So just kind of gratitude and really enjoying my day um, to the best that I can um, is, is something that I like to do. And then also I shared in the last meeting, um, but before I go to bed, I also like to remind myself that this body is um, a vehicle uh, communication device, which I choose to use to communicate God's love. So I just kind of remind myself what my body is for. Um, so I also find that very, very helpful. So those are things that I'm sure to do like every day. <laughs> uh, does that help? Of course. Thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. And you know, it, it's you can ask the Holy Spirit for ideas that are helpful for you. Those just happen to work for me. Um, but you know, you can see that a lot of them include a, a bit of quiet. Just sitting down for honestly, if you can just manage 30 seconds if you're feeling challenged or if you're just feeling really good and you kind of want to accept sources love, you know, 30 seconds is more than enough, right? So even Jesus teaches in the course that um, one can accomplish more in an instant of connecting with their source than one could in hours of meditation. So just, you know, acknowledging that um, this doesn't always need to be take up a lot of time. HS, the Holy Spirit knows that we've got stuff to do throughout the day. <laughs> but it is about including um, the truth in your day. That's what I find. 
<laughs> Thank you so much for asking that. I, I that's really cool. <laughs> um, so just uh, wrapping up. Um, so when we recognize that our minds simply need some care and attention, from that recognition, you can step forward to know the profound aspect of your mind that will show you the way home. So when we start to give our mind care and attention, then we will start to activate our right mind and then we will start to be making our way home, right? That will be part of our path to enlightenment. Um, and then I close it up by saying, I hope this book provides some helpful tra travel tips for that journey, <laughs> right? Of your way back. Um, because that's what it's about. It's about awakening your right mind because that is your way home. And each and every one of us is worthy of knowing who we truly are. Each of us is worthy of correcting fear thoughts. Okay. You are worthy of correcting them. The, the few seconds it might take to correct a fear thought or to allow yourself to feel something without making it worse. You know, if you can just be loving to yourself and sit for a bit or maybe lie down for a bit and let those waves of unconscious guilt come up, right? And in, in whatever form they're coming up, anger, fear, anxiety, sadness, whatever, letting them come up and hitting them with the atonement. Okay, come up to the atonement, that wave of unconscious guilt come up and I replace it with the atonement, right? And then that's what you're, that's what it came up for. Okay, according to the Holy Spirit, this is why this came up. So you could accept the atonement. If you can start to get there, if you can start to include the atonement more in your day when you're, especially when you're feeling challenged, right? That, that would be very helpful for you, right? Cause that's those waves of unconscious guilt that if you could just see it that way, it's just a wave and, and that can be corrected. So it doesn't need to go back in. <laughs> it can be released, <laughs> Right. Because the Holy Spirit's like, here, I'll take it. Come on, give it over. <laughs> and you have to go, OK, <laughs> I, I don't want it anymore. So here it's yours. <laughs> oh, thank you, Kim. You're very welcome, love. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> so that that wraps up the introduction and the discussion around it. Uh, next time we're going to get into um, chapter one. I feel like I should add some dum 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 music because that's all about the ego mind. <laughs> um, and so that's a, a hefty section. So we'll go through as much as we can. Like I said, if um, the book club continues on past March, that's perfectly okay with me. It's about helping, helping everyone understand and support everyone in uh, integrating the teachings of the book into their life. Linda, I can see you looking for your volume. <laughs> I know, my <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you so much. Oh. This was lovely and very, very helpful. Oh, good. I'm so glad. It's my absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you, Snacker. <laughs> yes, and this is really enjoyable. I'm really enjoying having the book club. So thank you so much. And remember, if you, there's anything you want me to make sure I touch upon, I absolutely will just email me or just shout it out. Um, yeah, so, but we'll be meeting same time, same place next week, Sunday at four. And yeah, if you want to connect during the week, just let me know, Fiona at fionamaria.ca. You know, I'm here. <laughs>